Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I went to the dentist and he told me I needed a crown. I was like, fucking A right. You can tell I am the king. Smack him a gob. It's time for another Vieira Vault. And this week is another donated episode, but this one's a unique donated one. Because this person I have on my show this week actually donated uh, not only to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, but he donated to the Vieira Vault, which uh, was awesome because I remember uh, the little donation page you wrote for the Vieira Vault. And uh, I really do appreciate that, brother. And I have with me all the way from the land from down under, he uh, the place that makes the Vegemite sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> TJ James. How you doing there, TJ? I am thrilled to be here with the mighty Ralph Fiera. Thank you so much, brother. And I find you quite mighty myself, bro. Yep. Excellent. This is going to be fun. Yeah, this is going to be great. Now, I don't want you to be offended because I'm, I'm going to set it up right now. To let you know that I am a bona fide Black Sabbath tard. Okay? That's fine. So am I. <laughs> you are a Motley Crue tard. Oh, yeah. No. I, I, of course. No, I'm an absolute Motley Crue tard. Absolute, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I do own all the Sabbath stuff. And I mean all the Sabbath stuff as well. Right on, dude. That's awesome. That's, that's, uh, that's very, very cool. And... Um, but we're going to do, uh, as you see, the title of this week's podcast. Uh, you donated and you hit me up I don't know, maybe like a week or two ago because you didn't know what to do. You weren't no, sure. No, well, what- you know, I was, trying to, I was trying to think of a cool angle. But, I mean, I've got to be honest. The, re- the real reason I, I, I did that was because I just wanted to hang out with you, man. Right but, on, brother. But I'm just... You know, I tried to think of something cool to talk about. I thought we could talk about a little bit about, you know, being independent musicians and and also talk about the um, not so often touched upon Vince Neil solo catalog. Right on. Yes. And when you said that to me, I said, oh, now that's a great subject because it is. You're right. It's not very much talked about. Um, and uh, I'm actually a fan of it. And it's kind of amazing I'm a fan of it because uh, this music is not really my type of music. But sometimes there's, like everything, there's an exception to every rule. Mm. Like, I'm not a big fan of, like, the glam metal stuff, but I love Night Songs from Cinderella. I'm, I'm not too big of a fan of what they did afterwards when they got all bluesy because that first Cinderella album was, like, Somebody Save Me, Night Songs, you know, Nothing for Nothing, some heavy, good, heavy stuff. But they, they were glammed out to the max. 
Now, yeah. the Vince Neil stuff is not that, I mean, I'm talking really about the first album, Exposed, is pretty, gla- not, you know, in the glam, cock rock genre, as you may, mm-hmm. And uh, but I really, really like this album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the musicianship is great. I think the songwriting is great. And Gasp, I think Vince sounds great. Um, I think... Go ahead. I think I think Vince. I've got to be honest, you know, and I'm I'm a huge Molly fan, so I've seen them six times, and you might think, oh, that's not that many times, but you have to remember that I live in Sydney, Australia, and they've only been to Australia first. Uh, I think five times. Five times. Um, I saw them on the Feel Good tour. And I've seen them. I've seen them every time they've they've been here, and hopefully with this reunion, which I was kind of really um, quite pissed about for a day because I I really believed all that stuff, and I saw your videos talking about the fact that they uh, hoodwinked us all, and I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was you know kind of pissed, but then I thought, yeah, but they're my favourite band. <laughs> You know, right. so I, I look, I agree with you with everything you said, but at the same time, if they come to Australia again, am I going to see it? You bet I am. <laughs> right on, man. Uh, I'm not, but you know, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I have, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of them. I don't know how many. They probably saw me even more than you. Oh yeah. Uh, you let, let me think. Shout the devil. Theater pain. Girls, girls, girls. Doctor feel good. Um, uh, Generation Swine, uh, the Greatest Hits album, and and that Farewell Tour. I saw them one more time than you, seven did, times. Did you see them? Did you see them with on the Maximum Rock Tour with Randy? Yes, Randy Castillo, and with the girls. So I've seen them nine times. Yeah, yeah. I saw oh, them man. with uh, Samantha Maloney and and Randy Castillo with the Scorpions. Yes. So I did. I've seen Molly Crew quite a few times, and I'm not. Go ahead. There you go. Well, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Motley Crue after Shout, though I can name songs off of basically every album they did afterwards, including Generation Swine, that I like songs off of. The only album that they did that I didn't like any song off of was uh, the last one, Saints of Los Angeles. I didn't like anything off that. I liked, I liked, believe it or not, I liked the ballads on New Tattoo. I liked them a lot in the song Mm. Fate. The Mm. rest was like, to me, ter- oh, and the the cover of White Punks on Dope is cool, but um, you know, but you know, you know, use it or lose it. I liked off of uh, Theater Pain, Fight for Your Rights, Wild Side. I liked a lot. Something for Nothing, which is a song very much hated. I like that song. I like the song Doctor Feelgood. I liked Kickstart, but that's about it off that album. Um, I liked Primal Scream a lot. I liked uh, Let Us Pray. Uh, find myself glitter. Mm. <laughs> uh, I remember getting shit for that one for liking glitter. Uh, but hey, man, I like what I like. Fuck it. I, I make no no excuses. Well, um, well, I mean, yeah, that's right. But, I mean, I I my look. The thing is, and I've come to a, I've I think a lot about this stuff, and I I think that there's something about a band that you love. Um, and Motley Crue is the only band I can honestly say I love every song that they mm. ever did. But I think I think 
there there is a point with a lot of bands we love where that sound becomes so familiar to you, right. you know, and then I think because it's because it's familiar to you, it's kind of comforting to you in a way, and so you kind of look at it. Yeah, I I probably I probably do look at Motley Crue absolutely look at Motley Crue with rose coloured glasses. I probably do. Um, yeah. I- but, I, I do I th- the same with Sabbath, but sometimes my, my rose-colored glasses get fogged up when I hear songs mm-hmm. like Rock and Roll Doctor and She's Gone. I can't bring mm-hmm. myself to like those songs but and break out. But I understand where you're coming from because everything else I fucking absolutely love. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but, you know, Motley Crue is like the only band I can say that about. You know, I can't, I can't say that about... I mean, I love ACDC, but I can't say that I love every single song from every single album. Right. Know? Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, you, you like what you like. If it sounds good to you, fuck what anybody thinks, including me, you know? Well, and you know what? And if it sounds good to you, then get fucked what I think. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're right, you know, because the thing is what you think, if you disagree with me, it doesn't make the song any worse. No, you know, and that's what a lot of people don't seem to understand, because a lot of people online think they're making a point by saying, well, I don't like it. And I'm like, well, you do understand I'm not you, you know, that's right. And, and people, yeah, it's I, just people are stupid. I mean, I mean, I had a I'm a musician. That's what I do for a living. And I was being mentored for a few years by um, a guy called Jeff Vaughner, who was working at who worked directly with Motley Crue at 10th Street Entertainment mm. and who still who still managed Motley Crue and they've been managing Motley Crue since 1995. Um, Alan Kovac runs that company and Jeff Vaughan now manages Slash. And okay. he, um, he doesn't work there anymore. He's working with Slash now. But um, Motley, or the, my favourite Motley Crue stuff is the stuff from 1991 onwards. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's, and... that's kind of rare, because a lot of people really tend to like the first, like me, the two out and the first two the best. I mean, I mean, the the self-titled album is the greatest album I've ever heard in my life by anybody. Oh, ever. wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Back up a second here. Are you going to tell me the best Motley Crue album is the Karabi album? That's the best album I've ever heard in my life by any band. You know, uh, I have said, you know, for years I've said, Shout is their best album. And then it dawned on me, uh, you know, I take my walk with my iPod, and I decided, because I love that self-titled album, I decided to listen to it on my walk. And I thought, you know what, this is their best album. But now I'm kind of like, ah, it's tied with Shout. Mm. You know, now, you know I, I used to think uh, Shout was the best, then I thought that was the best, but now I'm kind of like, you know, I revisit Shout a lot, yeah. and I'm like, nah, that fucking album, that that to me, that and the Karabi album are just like tied. So when when was what was your initial uh, experience? Uh, how did you get turned on to Motley Crue? Okay, the very there was a guy, there was a show in Australia, um, all through the seventies and eighties or mid seventies to mid eighties, and it was called Countdown. And it was, it was on every week. And it was, I know that show, by the way, because I have a lot of, uh, 
I'm a bootleg collector from back in the day, and Cheap Trick was on there. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. They have a big countdown logo behind them, you know, when they play the show. Mm, mm. And um, the 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 very first time I heard and the very first time I saw Motley Crue or heard about Motley Crue was in was in rock magazines when I was like 83, 84, so I would have been 10. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were satanic, <laughs> you know. You, th- you thought they were what? I thought they were satanic, you know. Oh. Yeah, and obviously they're not. <laughs> but, yeah, well, um, well, that's that's a, a Australian term. I don't know what telly means. I, telly, I know, means television. And, and, and television, England. yeah, yeah. And and so, but the very first thing I ever heard was um, in 1985, they showed on Countdown, they showed Smoking in the Boys' Room. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I thought okay. it was. I thought it was awesome, you know. And I right. obviously, you know, at, at I was twelve by that point. Had no idea who Brownsville Station was or any of that, obviously. Right. And and um, so I I really liked the song. And then fast forward, I kept hearing Theatre of Pain or or that song at least over the next year and a half because that was when Theatre of Pain first came out, would have been about June or July 85. And then um, I kept hearing it. And so I had a I had a, a voucher, like a, a gift certificate to buy an album, you know. So I, I bought Theatre of Pain, but this is like April of 87, just before Girls, Girls, Girls came out. And, um, and I, you know, I, I really liked the album. I liked it. And then... I bought Girls, Girls, Girls when it first came out, and I really liked it. I was kind of obsessed with that for about a couple of weeks, and then I started listening to other stuff. But then my real obsession started for real, and it's been going on for 31 years now, was when Dr. Feelgood came out. I thought that was the that was the heaviest, like sonically heaviest drums I'd ever heard. And I thought I thought the production was unbelievable. I I d- didn't know who Bob Rock um, was then, but I do now. And um, I thought it was just sonically a masterpiece. And that was basically all I listened to for about a year. <coughs> and, wow! And I saw them. I saw them on that tour, play in Sydney because they they came here and they played a couple of nights in Sydney couple of nights in Melbourne and a night in Brisbane and my dad was cool enough to take me and um that was that was just the, the greatest concert I've ever seen in my life right on did he do the flying drums at that one no he did the um he did the the cage okay yeah oh the the spinning around cage like yeah, girls yeah. girls yeah yeah oh that's interesting I yeah. wonder if they start. Did they start the tour over there? I don't even know. No, cause... no, no way. No, they yeah. started. They started the tour. Well, I think the first show was at the Whiskey A Go Go in in Hollywood, where they filmed the Kickstart video. Yeah, and that's then, yeah. And then, and then start, America. And then they started in Europe. Oh, okay. Because um, they cancelled Europe um, for January 87, 88. They were supposed to go there. But that was when Nikki OD'd, so they cancelled Europe. So they started they started in Europe, and then I think the US started in about November of 89. 
Okay, I did like, see that like tour. I came here in I, May of ninety. Okay, I can't remember when I I, I saw him in in uh, in ninety. It was one of the early shows in the American tour, but I'm not too sure where they started that tour. But um, but you have yeah, to remember, you have to remember like timeline is everything, you know. And oh, of course, I'm you know because I was I was how old were you when Shout at the Devil came out? I was 18. Yeah, see, I was I was um, 15 or 16 when Feel Good came out. And I didn't really... I, I, I think I did know about... I, yeah, I did know about the other albums at that point, but for some reason that record just pushed me over the edge. Well, I, I, I discovered Motley Crue at 16, you know, yeah. uh, when I saw the Livewire video on MTV. Though yeah. I do remember seeing them in magazines before I saw the video, but when I saw that live wire video, I was completely blown away. I was like, "Wow, this is awesome! They look like Kiss, and and it's kind of like you know a thrashy riff, kind of punk rocky, but catchy." You know, there was a lot uh, that that Too Fast for Love album is a mishmash of a a lot of you know they never repeated that, but that's the thing about Molly Crew. They always change their sound. Yeah. Uh, every was, album. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. You can't like say any album sounds like the last one. No. But you I mean, know? I think. Look, there were there were always, always elements that sounded similar. You know, but um, that was the cool thing. I mean, I love the, the the fact that they changed their logo every album. I love the fact that they, and apparently, um, they made all those changes. And I think. Nikki said it was out of boredom, really. You know, they 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 get a look and then they kind of felt like everyone would maybe copy it. So. Well, they that that was one thing about Motley Crue. They set trends a lot because if you remember uh, Theater Pain, a lot of bands went that route. I mean, Judas Priest started wearing colors in their stuff with Turbo and the Ultimate Sin got all glammy and glitzy. You know, as far as image-wise, they really did set the trend in, in the 80s. Um, and they were huge. I mean, they were the biggest band uh, to me in the 80s. I mean, uh, not my favorite, but they were definitely huge. You and, see, but uh, musically, when I was musically, uh, you know, I discovered music when I was four years old, and that's what I wanted to do with my entire, the rest of my life. I knew that at four years old. And... You know, and initially I was into Elvis because I saw, and I still love Elvis to this oh, day. Oh yeah, I'm a big Elvis but, fan. But you look at you look at the visuals that Elvis had in the seventies, right? Yeah. With all those with all those suits and jumpsuits and all that stuff, you know. And then I discovered Kiss when I was seven in like 1980, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, they were huge over and, there in eighty. But all all of these all of these got. All of these bands, like Elvis was very visual. Kiss was very visual. ACDC was next. They were very visual. Van Halen was very visual with Roth, you know. And and so it would make sense that I would like Motley Crue because they were also very visual, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they were. And, and uh, they did, they, you know, I mean, er, especially that early stuff. It's kind of like, you know, Kiss was, uh, well, not in Australia, but down here it's like, Man, after '79, nobody cared about Kiss anymore, mm. and they were kind of like they—they kind of like uh, 
took the baton, as they as you would say, from Kiss, and they became the Kiss of the '80s because Kiss was, you know, I, I was uh, 12, 13 when I discovered Kiss, and when you're a little kid in the '70s at that time, yeah. it was hard to escape Kiss. Yeah. And Kiss to me was the ultimate gateway band because because of Kiss I got more into hard rock. I liked you know some you know I liked I loved ELO I loved Kansas before and then you know um, Cheap Trick Sticks you know I loved all that stuff but it didn't really uh, gravitate me to check out other bands till Kiss. See I can't I, I love I love all those bands and and. The the heaviest band that I'm into is is probably Pantera, right? You, you see, because with me, I'm I'm a you know I'm a songwriter. That's what I that's what I do. I write songs and and you know I play play shows. But I'm always I am the I'm very much about the don't bore us, get to the chorus. I'm that guy because I was raised on commercial arena rock, you right. know. And you know, and people like Mellencamp, and and people like um, you know, cheap. I mean, cheap trick, and and the beat. It was all about melody. The Beatles were all about melody. The Stones were all about melody. All these bands with all these great songs. So so, it's it's really hard for me to. I mean, I I, I like Slipknot and all that stuff. I try to listen to that stuff too because I I refuse to be musically close minded. You know, but I don't really love a guy screaming at me about how he hates his life. <laughs> you know, right? Cause, yeah, because I'm not. I'm just not that guy. You know, yeah, I'm you just, can't identify with it. You know, I mean, I I try I try to take the best of everything and listen to that, but I I just love melody too much, man. I hear you, man. So, uh, what did you think? Uh, you know, I mean, I'm I'm sure you were gutted. When you found out Vince was out of Motley Crue, I right? cried. Wow, I cried. Um, as I recall, and I could have the timeline wrong. I should I should have did my research. But man, I remember when Vince left Motley Crue or kicked out. Of, you know, because both sides are saying something different. He quit, and you mm-hmm. know, Vince said he was fired. I could have the timeline wrong, but I remember when, as I as I recall, when Vince was fired, like. Less than a month later, he already had a video for "You're Invited, but Your Friend Can't Come." That's it was that's, like a month later, right, or even less. I'm. Um, it, it was yeah, really yeah. Quick. The, the well, it, it did it did come out it did come out very very quickly the single and I bought it. I remember hearing 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 it on the radio on a metal show here in. Uh, I lived used to live in Canberra, which is ACT, which is the capital city of Australia, and um, heard it on the radio and didn't didn't even hesitate. I mean, the guy that was a metal DJ was bagging it out to the hilt, you know. Oh, okay. And um, it did it did well over there. No. Okay. Yeah, it <laughs> no. didn't do well over no. there either. No, but I remember distinctly the guy saying, "And tonight we're going to put the boot into Vince Neil." <laughs> you know. Oh the, boy. I'll never forget that. But I, I went out and got it the next day. I didn't even think about it. Um, yeah. But yes, yes, it did come out very quickly. I, was, I was not impressed. Casino Man. 
I wasn't impressed. I'll be honest with you. When I saw the video, I was like, eh, you know, it's cool that Steve Stevens, because no, I'm not I, a big... it wasn't Steve Stevens. Oh, it, and it's not Steve. Well, he's in the video. That's why I thought he. Played no, it no, he's not. No, he's not. Um, the 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 it it came out as a single first because you got to remember, Exposed didn't come out till 1993. Right. Right. So so you're invited, but your friend can't come. Came from the Encino Man soundtrack, which was from '92, and um, yeah. I forgot who played guitar, but I know Vicky Fox was playing drums, and uh, Bobby Crane on bass. Yeah, yeah, but, but 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 Steve Stevens is not in that video. No, wow, no, I could have sworn he was. I, yeah, I guess no, no, no. The the first video that Steve Stevens did was the Sister of Pain video. Okay, wow, wow, I did not know that. I could. Well, I'll tell you this, and I know this for sure. I'm I'm positive about this. Before Exposed came out, Vince Neil did perform "You're Invited But You Can't" came, uh, from. It wasn't the Video Music Award. It was some other MTV show, and yes. Steve Stevens was there on that live performance. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you may be right. I'd have to um, I'd have to look at that again. But I'd yeah, I'm assuming you're right. Yeah. But I think, I it, I think really, it was. Yeah. I think it was the MTV video was, wasn't it? Well, empty. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. Uh, I have it. I have it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I remember it was some other show they did, and because you know MTV had a lot of different shows, live events. Yeah. And uh, they were part of it, and I remember, and it was when the single was obviously fairly new. So mm-hmm. if he wasn't on the video, he soon joined right after that video was done. Yeah, I mean, he does. There is, I mean, we'll get into exposed soon, but um, there is a version of it's a different version of of um, you're invited, but your friend can't come on exposed. Oh man, you see, I didn't even know that. You know, I had no idea. I, I always was under the impression he played on that song and he was in that video, but right. I haven't seen that he video. The, but he played on the song on the album. Well. Um, well, I gotta tell you, uh, I was, I don't recall because I must've heard, um, look in her eyes. I must've heard that song for me to buy the album because that song just completely blew me away. Yeah. So, cause you know, the strength of your invited, but your friend can't come did not entice me to, mm. to buy it, but it must've been that song. Um, and when I bought the album, this, you got to remember, this is 1993 in America. I think, I think it's May 1993. I've got to check that, but I think it's May 93 the album came out. I just know that um, it wasn't, that that genre was dying out. Mm-hmm. It was still around. I mean, a lot of people don't remember, but, you know, during the, the, the height of, of Nirvana and all that shit, you know, air bands were still playing arenas and stuff. They were just on their last gasps, you know. But uh, 91, 92, uh, but 93, it was already. And Vince Neil did a balls out, you know, 80s album. Because that's what Exposed is to me. It sounds like an 80s album. Yeah, very true. Very and, true. But it, it's it's very good, though. It does, but it does have some other other kind of cool elements on it that you wouldn't necessarily um, think were typical. 
Like there's a there's a couple of songs that I mean a lot of the songs I completely agree with you. They're very they're very eighties sounding and it's eighties sounding generally. April twenty seventh it came out in the States. So I was I I got it in May. So we must have we must have got it just a bit after. Um, yeah, I did get it when it was new. Uh and I saw the tour, but by that time Steve was gone. Um I know they toured they opened for Van Hagar and mm-hmm. um I, you know that but that didn't come my way. I don't think I would have went though cuz you know how I feel about Van Hagar. Correct but, sir. <laughs> but but um he did play a club here maybe like end of 93 early 94 and it wasn't with Steve Stevens he was already out. Mm-hmm. But I, I I just I think this album has it's very slick the production's very slick on it, but it doesn't bother me. Usually it does, but the songs are strong on it. Very, very strong. Um, there's a couple songs that I kind of like. I'll give you an example. Like I'm looking at a track listing now because mm-hmm. I was listening to this album yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, songs I have problems with. Um, Fine, Fine Wine. I like the solo in that song, but eh. Um, uh, and you're invited when your friend can't come. Sister of Pain, I'm kind of on the fence of. I don't really hate it, but it doesn't really... It wouldn't be a song that would make me buy the album. But, mm-hmm. dude, everything else, in, including the ballads, I dig all oh. So, what, how, do you, how do you want to do this? Do you, want, do you want to go track by track, or do you just want to discuss the album generally, or what do you want to do? Well, we can, you know, we can... Yeah, we don't really have to go track by track. I mean, we could talk about our favorite tracks. Mm-hmm. And okay. mine... On this one, would definitely be looking. Look in her eyes would be my favorite, but a very close second would be living in luxury. Living is a luxury. You see, uh, that's that's the song that um, I I don't think is very typical. Yeah, that the edge is not that typical either. Yeah, yeah. Off, off that album, but I think those that's about it. Everything else is kind of uh, typical. Uh, Getting hard is typical, and that's a good yeah. song. I like that one too. I like I, the edge a lot. That one's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, I I basically um, I love. I mean, I really like to love all of this album. Um, probably my least favorite song would be maybe getting hard. Um, um. I love the the cover version of of Set Me Free. Very Sweet. good cover. And I love and I don't know I don't know if you know this. You you probably got have you got the B sides to this album? No. What are they? Because I'm sure I've heard them. Okay. Um, there's a cover of I think a Rod Stewart song I think or a Faces song. Oh, blondes, blondes have no blondes. Uh, blondes have more fun. Yep. Yeah, I've heard that. And um the cover version of I Want to Be Sedated, which kind of got me into the Ramones a little bit. I've heard that as well. Which yeah. is very cool. Um, I the, the songs that I absolutely love off here, though, are Forever. I think that's mm. a fabulous song. I think Can't Change Me is fabulous. The uh, two yeah. I mean, Can't Change Me. I mean, it's just... Can't Change Me especially is... It's just an unbelievable song. Um, uh, let's uh, 
fine fine wines pretty cool i mean the the whole the whole thing but i mean it's funny because when when this album came out i mean i really like it now but when i remember when the album came out i thought this sounds just like motley crew and not as good (laughs) right because i you know being used to the the bob rock production of the last couple of motley records i i remember thinking um it sounded a bit kind of not as much sonic bass depth in it you know not as um yeah bombastic like the drums and stuff like that yeah um but now i love it but i wonder if this would have been possibly the direction that motley crew would have headed in had Vince Neil stayed in the band, what do you think? No way. No way because at the time, Nicky was... Um, Nicky was starting to... Like, you can hear in interviews, he was starting to like kind of like trying to distance himself from even his music. Like, because, you know, he would always bash like Poison and, and the hair metal stuff. And he saw the writing on the wall of, you know, the, the, a new movement going to happen. And he wanted to you know, move on, uh, you know, uh, that, that self-titled Motley album, I mean, you hear hints of classic crew in it, but it's definitely not a Motley crew album. Not to me, not to my ears. Um, it's, it's an awesome album though. As I, I was saying earlier, I think, uh, it's their best album with shadow of the devil, but it, it really, I mean, I know they changed their sound, but this one, like Hooligans holiday and, mm. Yeah, I mean it's just so radically different. Welcome mm. to the Nam. Well, don't you, you know, think? Don't you think Hooligans Holiday sounds like Round and Round? Rat? No, Aerosmith. Oh, you know, uh, if you believe in me, that's that one, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I believe from, in you. From Toys yeah, in the yeah. Attic. Toys in the Attic. Yeah, great song. Really heavy song. I don't mm. know. You know what? I'd have to listen to them back to back. I don't. Mm. At the moment, I can't. Uh, get the connection. I will say, "Welcome to the Numb" sounds like Aerosmith. Yeah, it has like an Aerosmith vibe to it, but but like a very like you know seventies heavy Aerosmith, the shit I love. Um, but I I think it's I think an I think it's an absolute travesty that Ten Thousand Miles was left off that record. By the way, great song. I have that oh. uh, music to crash your cars to. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's on there. Um, there's a couple, uh, there was a couple other songs that didn't make it on that album too, that I have somewhere. I I remember, I remember Nikki Six saying in Metal Edge at the time that, um, people heard 10,000 miles and they said, if you put this on, this will be a number one single. And that's why I left it off, which is just, are you nuts? (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's another thing. Cause Motley Crue at the time. You know, Nikki was saying stuff. Ah, I'm just so bored of the big arena stuff, and you know, it just uh, you know, he just wanted to get more, you know, underground or you know, just he 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 started to act grunge, you know, <laughs> like you know, he wanted to be like not so popular, but he really did change it soon when uh, he got his wish, you know, because yes. when Motley that album didn't sell well. Um, you know, they got Vince back. I mean, I know they did it under record company pressure. Anybody knows anything, uh, you know, don't believe uh, the movie, The Dirt. 
the reason they got Vince back and Tommy Lee was very hesitant was uh, the record company said, we're not promoting your next album unless you get Vince back. That's what really went down. Well, and, and, and the thing, the thing with the 94 album was that they didn't even want to call it Motley Crue. Yeah. The, and that and, was and, more record company pressure. And, yeah. the, and the record company said, the record company said, oh, but you've got to call it Motley Crue because you've just signed this $25 million deal. Right. You know, and and then what happened was when the album stiffed, all the people that were telling them that they should have called it Motley Crue were then saying, oh, you shouldn't have called it Motley Crue. And they, they were like, yeah, but that's what you told us to do. Yeah. Yeah, and they, I, I have an interview where Nikki talks about that, and they even asked him, well, what were you going to call a band? He's like, well, we never got that far. They just wanted to change the name of the band. And But it's funny how they didn't, not only not only cha- didn't change the name, but also just called the album Molly Crew, you know? Do you think, I mean, I know we're, we're, John, you know, we're getting all over the place here, but do you think that if if they didn't call the album Motley Crue, do you think it it would have been successful? No. Uh, it, it, you know, even if you change the name, there was a big, big stigma on bands like Motley Crue at the time. So uh, yeah. it would have... Let me put it this way. I don't think... I think it'd be even less successful. Uh, I think it would even sell less mm. uh, because... You know, the Motley Crue name is what made it sell as much as it did. Uh, you know, starting from scratch, um, it's 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 going to be hard, man. Mm. Um, but you, you never look. Maybe you're right. I mean, maybe I don't know what you think, but maybe maybe it would have been more successful because honestly, it's not Motley Crue. It's just not. And I'm not saying because Vince wasn't there. Mm. Musically, it was a radical departure. I mean. The only thing I can see is the intro to Hammered. Sounds like an early Molly Crew riff. And, uh, Poison, Poison Apples. Apples. Poison Apples. Huh? Poison, Poison Apples. Apples. And Hammered. Hammered, that, that intro to Hammered reminds me of something off that could have been off Too Fast for Love. And I, and do, think, kind of I, do, think, I do think Power to the Music was directly um, the song that followed on from Primal Scream. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit disjointed, but yeah, I I, I agree. It, it 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 almost sounds like a sister song to it. But you, we both agree on that. But going back to exposed, um, it this it, out this it, album didn't even go gold. You know that. I, I I think this album did worse than the Motley Crue one, didn't it? It, it reached reached number thirteen. And and Motley hit the top ten. Seven, yeah. Okay. Well, th- there you go. You know, even more. See, I'm, proof such, that, a, I'm such a geek. <laughs> no, no, but you know what? The thing is that uh, further proof that I think I'm right. You know, because uh, if you would have changed the name to Molly Crew, it would have probably done as good as Exposed. You know. Yeah. Because uh, uh, you know, v- Vince Neil, well, it wasn't like uh, David Lee Roth. No. You know, it wasn't. Uh, and he didn't. He was, he, he didn't. I mean, they. I mean, don't get me wrong. That that Motley Crue album, as I said before, is my favorite album by any band ever. And which is odd for a, a Motley Crue fanatic, you know, because most Motley Crue fanatics uh, hate that album because it doesn't have Vince. 
Yeah, see, I'm, I'm a bit. I, I guess I. It's from being a musician. I guess I, I probably look at music differently. I guess I don't know. Right. But um, I could. I mean that that album just has got a lot of um, a lot of heart to it. I think. And, 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 and there's a lot of flavors to it too. That and, seems to be very interesting. And Kohabi. Yeah, that's Amazing. another thing. I don't like. I don't like albums that are just the same thing all the way through. Yeah, and that's not it, you know. With the except uh, people like ACDC because they're just ACDC, you know. Yeah, good old rock and roll, man. Yeah, that that's different. Yeah, there's a few bands, and I like Motorhead. They're pretty much the same all the way through, too. I love Motorhead too. Yeah. But um, all right. So you want to move on to the next record? Carved in stone. Now you want to talk, and this one. I went and bought it without even hearing a song off the album. I just said, and you want to talk about badly promoted. I just saw this in a store one day. Me too. Like, and I was like, hey, I like to expose. Let's check this one out, you know? And this, and I was, this, this one ahead. made it to 139 in the States. <laughs> wow, that's higher than I thought. <laughs> this was not promoted at all. I mean, it was pretty much dead. And uh, I remember I bought it. I, I, I put it in, you know, in my car, popped it in, and I was horrified what I heard on uh, track one. And I was yeah. like, what the fuck? And then I went to track two, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is good. Um, this album, I think, is criminally underrated. Um, I think it's a really good album, but there's three tracks on it that are just fucking... What the fuck? Uh, yeah, the w- yeah. One way is another one, and uh, what was the other? Find a dream. Yeah. Uh, was, oh my! Those three songs are just like, what is this? It's like rap and industrial and all this garbage. Where the rest of the album fucking rocks. See, I, I, it's funny this album. Like I can listen to it, and I can listen to it all the way through, and whatever. I. I don't love this album. You know, I mean, I think, again, and it's, I know it's a completely different album to the self-titled album, but it, it it's kind of pursuing like a more modern approach, <laughs> which is kind right. of what they did on the, on the self-titled album. But this, some of the songs on here, man, are just not good. Well, yeah. the three I mentioned, I have no problem with the rest of it. I really mm. don't. Uh, do you have a problem with the ones that aren't the three I mentioned? Uh, I mean, I like I like the crawl, and Skylar's song is very cool. Um, Riding on the walls, very cool. Um, one less mouth to feed. Um, yeah. But I mean, this song, this album is very, um, very dark, very minor key type stuff. Yeah. Um, without and not a lot of light and shade on it. You know, so. Yeah. It's, yeah, well, it's, not... it's it's pretty eclectic, though, if you really think about it. I mean, not all songs sound alike. They're kind of 
I yeah. hear some Sabbath in this album. Yeah, know? true. No, that's that's true. But uh, and I love the rift. I think the, the rift, rift is awesome. It's very cool. Great, great song. Moody. Um, yeah, no, it's, it is very cool, but. It's funny. It's like, do I want to hear that from Vince Neil? Well, that's... I don't know. Well, that that's kind of like... That's... It's kind of unfair. You know, it's because, you you know, you want to put Vince in a box. No, yeah. not really. I don't... Yeah, it's really hard to... I'm not making a lot of sense maybe, right now. Maybe... No, I think I know what you're trying to say. You don't think Vince Neil's voice fits the music is what you're trying to say, right? Yeah, I just think, well, I just think there's, I mean, I think, yeah, I think there's a reason why this album, apart from the time, which is obviously what it was, I think, I'm not sure that the, the songwriting is, is there on everything on this. I mean, right. I mean, getting the Dust Brothers to produce you, I mean, I don't know. Which were popular at the time, right? Yeah, I know. It's 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 kind of this I guess this is the problem I have. I think it's kind of a jumping on the bandwagon album. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, like the three songs I mentioned, it was of the time. Mm. You know? And I did read an interview with Tommy Lee saying he loved it, you know. Yeah, yeah, well. Uh, yeah. before Vince came back cuz you know Tommy Lee was already um leaning towards shit like breaking in the gun, you know, and stuff like that, that when he heard that, he's like, Ooh, I like this, you know? Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love Tommy Lee, but yeah, I mean, if I love, I love what Vince Neil said in the dirt. He said, if, if Tommy Lee had breasts, he'd be a spice girl, you know, <laughs> I, I do uh, think Tommy Lee likes to jump on the cool and hip. You know, uh, 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 my, one of my favorite lines in the dirt was when Nikki said, uh, I never liked Pamela Anderson. She, she, she was like a girl Vince would fuck. Oh, that's right. He did fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> Which something we didn't talk about was, uh, the last album had the video for, um, can't have your cake and eat it too. That featured Pamela Anderson before Correct. she ever met Tommy Lee. And, you know, that's when, you know. Vince Banger. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> at the time, you know. Yes, that but, uh, that video was a bit of eye candy. I think. Oh yeah, that was total. You know, <laughs> with the cars and the hot chick. Uh, Here I go again, type thing. You know. But and one thing, one I think that really needs to be said, and you know, it's it's okay to be a fan and say when when your heroes aren't doing so well, right? Um, one thing I think that's really, really sad is that Vince Neil, and to their credit, unlike Tommy Lee and Nicky Six, when Vince Neil goes out and plays his solo shows, he doesn't do anything from any of these records. Right. Doesn't he do look, look I think he still does look in her eyes. I, I I believe he does. Maybe not, but I think he did. Yeah, well, um, but that's it. You know, it's. I think I think he should. You know. Oh, of course. I, I think it's I think it's like 
I mean, it's like with, I mean, it's like you, you doing thrash or die or me doing my solo shows and us releasing these albums and doing what we do and they're not playing anything off them. Yeah. That that I can can do in the first place. Well, shit, you know, I saw the Carved in Stone tour at a place called Mr. Laughs. Yes, a comedy club. And yeah. uh, all he yeah. played was The Crawl. That's the only song he played off this album that night. See, I, 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 wish, I, I wish I could have seen those shows. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I hate, I'm sometimes I'm so envious of Americans because of that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm envious of America, uh, Americans too because... Most shows don't come to South Florida, but that one oddly did, you know, uh, at you, a comedy how, club. How many people were there? Do you remember? Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't that empty. It was. Uh, but it's a club. It, it was a little club. It was kind of packed, as I recall. Um, and it was, uh, I believe, a Saturday show. Probably wouldn't have done good on a weekday, but it was. And and I remember it was. It was promoted well. Because I found out about it, you know, I remember uh, reading it in, in uh, the local music magazines, and I remember hearing it on the radio, giveaways and stuff. And I was like, "Shit, I'm gonna go see Vince Neil, man." I, I dig, you know, I do dig this album, you know, I did like it, other than the three songs I said. But and so I went to go see it, but I did leave going, "Fuck, dude, nothing but the crawl." The crawl is one of the best songs on there, but still, I would have loved to see one less mouth to feed. I really like that mm. one. Mm. And uh, writing on the wall, I liked. You know, I, uh, I'm not black saying, promises. I love. I love I, black promises on there. I'm not saying I don't like this album. I just don't love it. Right. Uh, well, the songs that I like, I, I do love on here. Uh, black promises is awesome. It's so dark, uh, but you know, it's not something that Vince Neil is known for. And of course, and but this was so badly promoted. Uh, oh yeah. Record, it was like really. I mean, I know he made a video for Skyler's song, but I never seen that till YouTube. You know, right. I never seen that on MTV or anywhere, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, so, MTV just wasn't playing any of this type of stuff or anybody that was related to the 80s. It was like, it was like you were just, you know, beside a non grata. It was just like. Yeah, you're a bad word. Even, um, even uh, Generation Swine, uh, that video for Afraid. Uh, they didn't. They showed it on MTV like at one or two in the morning. That's the only time I ever saw it. And I and I know that the hate mail is going to come in for this, but I love Generation Swine. See, Generation Swine is um, it's it's it goes from there's all kind of different textures on that album going on, and you know, I mean, Generation Swine. The title track is nothing like Let Us Pray which is nothing like Confessions, which is nothing like, it's, it's just, you know, people can hate on me all they want to, but I think that album oh, fuck is, is great. I really do. I, you know, and I know, <laughs> I know fans of the, um, the old show like to pay out on, on the, on the crew. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. You know, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Generations Wine, but I mean, you can tell I'm legitimate if I say I don't like Generations Wine, but I like glitter. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, glitter, how can glitter, I like glitter, glitter and hate that glitter album? Glitter is an amazing song. Well, I'm there. I hate the remix on the greatest hits. I thought that shit was terrible. Yeah. Uh, 
but I liked it. I liked it on January Swan. I liked Layers Prey a lot. Um, but Shot the Devil, oh my God, that that one is terrible. See, I loved it. I just I oh, loved that was total, it. That was total Tommy Lee too. That is a hundred percent Tommy Lee making it. It was more of a I don't know, like a you know, it's not hip hop, but you know, it was like I don't know, it sounded new metalish to me. And but you, hey man, you, you like saw, it. That's you cool. saw that tour, and they were yes. hell on wheels on that tour. Um, what I saw, Generation Swine with yeah. Cheap Trick. Yeah, they were. They were. I mean, Cheap Trick is a, another fabulous band. Yeah, I mean, they're one of my favorites. But um, you know, Motley Crue were hell on wheels on that tour. Well, they were awesome that night. Uh, yeah, absolutely, say, uh, the drum solo was pointless and stupid. But other than that, um, it was. They were on fire. I mean, but they, you know, at the time they had something to prove. You know, they were hungry. They, they mm. wanted to be big again. And Generation Swine also didn't really do that well. You know, I think it did well when it first came out. It hit the top number, 10 or number something. F- number four. Yeah, it, it did well on the initial release. But then, you know, when people heard it, they were like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, because, you know, there's Nikki Six trying to be David Bowie on Rocket Ship or whatever the name of that song is. Um, and then there's Brandon. Did you like, you like Brandon? I do. All right. I just wanted to know because, yeah, I've never met somebody that liked Brandon. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it because it, again, it, 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 um, is different to the rest of the record, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent, you know, I, I get, the sentiment mm-hmm. and you know people people kind of chuckle at it now and and all that stuff but i i, I barely meant every word of it well yeah i'm sure but yeah i, I just didn't get it myself i, no, I found enough. it i found it funny you know yeah i know and, uh, i know um and, and, I, and at the time it really i mean you know come on let's not bullshit each other here at the time, it was the Pamela Anderson band because Motley Crue only got any kind of publicity because of Tommy and Pam at the time because she couldn't have been bigger at the yep. time, you know. I so, would actually, I would actually agree with that. So they were known as the Pamela Anderson band, and I remember it really pissed Nikki Six off because during that time they were on Howard Stern and a caller called in and said that. Hey, is this the Pamela Anderson band? And Nikki got super pissed. I think Nikki was like, "Hang up on him," <laughs> some shit like that. Was it? Was it? Was it? Was there a lot of people at that, that show? Yes, uh, that was at the West Palm Beach Amphitheater, and it was uh, yeah. I was all the way up front for that one actually, and what was really fucked up about that show was uh, Nikki Six said. Uh, which was super cool. He told the fans to bring their video cameras. Mm-hmm. And I took my video camera. Well, I didn't even own a video camera back then, but I had my brother owned one, so I, I borrowed it. And when I'm all the way up front, ready to you know, film Cheap Trick and Motley Crue, and the battery was dead. <laughs> and what, a, what an album Cheap Trick was tearing on at the time. That was the best Cheap Trick album since 1980, in my opinion. And the best Cheap Trick album since. You know, because I'm a big fan of uh, the first album all, all the way all, all shook up. 
Then I put 97 self-title. And, you know, I like rock. For, I like a few albums after that, but that album was phenomenal. I like I like Wake Up With a Monster. I thought that was a great album, too. That was the album before it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. It was It was a big... It was a it was a big improvement from the last I don't know since '83. You know, that that one I would put right under '97. Um, but anyway, so uh, do you want to talk about the next Vince Neil release? Yeah, I, I just want to say my favorite on here is the Crawl, and I don't know, man, Three Way Tie with Breaking the Gun One Way and and uh, Find the Dream. Mm. All right. The next one, wow, uh, I don't was, even own this one. It was Live at uh, the Whiskey. I don't own this, so I, I can't, I, I didn't even know this existed. Okay, well this, now, I, I did a review on Amazon at the time that this came out, and it was 2003 when this came out, and obviously it's it's a, a year before they... Um, decided to get back together for Red, White and Crew and the whole thing, which kicked off in February of 05. But um, I'll just pull this up. And I remember in my uh, review on Amazon, I said, is any crew better than no crew, right? Um, As in C-A-E-W. Is any crew better than no crew? Because the track listing on this album the only thing that's from either of his previous solo albums was Look in Her Eyes. The rest of this is, you know, Kickstart, Knock 'em Dead Kid, Red Hot, Piece of Your Action, Girls, 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 Same Old Situation, Home Sweet Home, Looks That Kill, Smoking, and Livewire, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like. <sighs> I mean, it's it's all right. He he sounds pretty drunk. <laughs> oh, does he? Uh, it, yeah, he's at at one point near the end. He goes, "Let's let's give shooters for everybody." <laughs> oh boy. Um, it's all right. It's all right. I listen to it every now and again. I'm I'm supposed to be the crew head here. I'm not. <laughs> Building him up too much, am I? Um, I, I? I don't. I didn't even know this existed. Yeah, because I am on Wikipedia now, going through his discography, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" Yep, yep. And I mean, it's okay. It's okay. It's just okay. <laughs> well, <then laughs> um, we got the next one. That's pretty much a covers album, but there. Hang two on. Oh, there's more to say. Yeah, no. Um, You remember the? um, Now this is this is cool. I like this. Do you remember the um, the VH1 the remaking of Vince Neil? Yes. Yeah. Barely, but I do remember. Yeah, yeah. They got him a personal trainer that made him throw away his Oreo cookies. I remember that scene. And um, you in that in that. episode or that special he records a new song with Desmond Child Mm. and that song was called Promise Me and I really like this song. Was that ever released? Yeah, on iTunes not on iTunes in Australia, I had to steal it (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I would have bought it, but it wasn't. We didn't have it. Um, um, yeah, and it's called Promise Me, and Desmond Child wrote it, and it's really cool. It's really good. It's really okay. good song. I don't remember. I, I did see that show though. I don't recall that. Mm. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's it's very cool, and the vocal on it is excellent. And if you can find it out there or if it's on YouTube, uh, and, you know, it's obviously a very commercial song. It's not metal at all. It's not even hard rock. But I think it's pretty cool. Okay, now we can move on to um, Tattoos and Tequila, if you like. Yeah, um, this is pretty much a, a covers album with just two songs mm-hmm. that are not covers. And, mm-hmm. uh, man... This is what I got to say about this. And I know you might not agree with me on this, but Vince Neil is awesome in the studio. <laughs> you know, I think I agree. He sings, he sings very well on these songs, these cover songs, um, where like a, a big example, like if he ever attempted to do Nobody's Fault Live, it would be a train wreck. But in here, he pronounces every single word. There's a lot of words in Nobody's Fault. Yes, there are. And, and he delivers it, man. And let's and, face you it, know, Stephen Tyler's not easy. No, and he does it good. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's a couple, you know, things on here. That I, you know, come on, you can't top the originals, but I think it's very commendable what he does on this album. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I don't I don't even mind the two songs that aren't covers, uh, "Tattoos and Tequila" and "Another Bad Day," which you know was that- a. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm reading it right now. I know what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, uh, it was supposed to be a Motley Crue song, but Tommy Lee hated it. It was going to be a song for Red, White, and Crew. Uh, okay. Yeah. And Tommy hated it, so uh, it wasn't on. So it's on here. And I see that Tracy Guns, James Michael, Kevin Kaddish, and Nikki Six wrote it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the other song is written by Marty Fredrickson. Fredrickson. And they got they got, that guy's a great writer. He writes with um. See, it's my dream to be a songwriter for for other people. Right. And so I I I know who all these guys are because I just think they write such incredible stuff. You know, the guys written with Foreigner and a bunch of people. Um, I love this album. Yeah, I, I, I love I, this album. I, I think this album rocks. Yeah, you know, it's a good rock, and I think Vince sounds really good on it. But like I said, man, you know, even on the last two albums, you know, I think Vince, especially, you know, I mean, to me, Vince will never top, and this is just my opinion, will never top his vocals on Danger. I think that's the greatest vocals he ever done. But I think when he went solo. He, I just feel like he was more focused on his vocal deliveries mm. on uh, on these songs, and it doesn't stop with even with all these covers. Yeah, um, I, I think I think yeah, I I can't say anything bad about this album. I, I love everything that's on it. I I love 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 another bad day. I think that is a, a masterpiece of a song. Tattoos and tequila is just amazing the video clips amazing the book was amazing um it was awesome how um alan kovac 
um, tied all that together with the marketing of, of the book and the album and, and um, the, the whole thing. This this album is is so well um, produced. I think I think the guys from Night Ranger didn't didn't Jack Blades produce this? Um, I'm on the Wikipedia thing now, and it doesn't even show who t- who produces album. Hang on. Uh, um, okay, well, it says Jeff Blando played on it, Donna Strum played on it. Um, first... Zoltan, have you seen Zoltan play? Apparently, he's awesome, he's fucking visually unbelievably great. He's amazing, he's just like the most wackiest drummer I've ever seen live. He's yeah. just a, he's just unbelievably good is he do you think he's better than tommy uh no um well i can't judge i mean you know judging by this album no i mean i think tommy lee is um one of the greatest drummers ever tell you the truth he hits like cozy powell um like you know the 94 album says it all to me i just stuff like red hot and Bastards and live wire. I mean, the guy's awesome. I just challenge anybody to play upside down. <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, come, like, seriously, like, I mean, that would be very hard. I don't know if you know this. Are you aware that Mick Mars's uh, band in the seventies had a drummer that played upside down? Yes, I am. Yeah, you saw that footage. There's actual yeah. video footage of a drummer that's that his drum kit went upside down. And uh, Tommy Lee said he, it came to him in a dream. I don't know. I mean, it may, might have. Maybe uh, Mick Mars never <laughs> mentioned it, but I find it eerily a coincidence. It's, it's a... <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I don't think Tommy Lee dreamed that shit. <laughs> I think it was Mick saying, you know, my drummer did that. You know? But, but, it, has to be, but it has to be said, all the stuff that happened... Like before that, like on the Theatre of Pain tour, when it was, he was on a, it was like a, on a lift on the stage and it kind of, you that know. That was the best drum solo i ever seen Tommy Lee do, was the yeah, Theatre of Pain drum solo. And it has to be said that, yeah, I mean, that whole thing with playing upside down, um, he might have taken some of that, but everything he's done since, he didn't take. Right. You know, I mean the roller coaster thing and the and the um, I mean the that last circle thing. Yeah, I mean that's no nobody's done that. Nobody's right. ever done that that I, that I'm aware of. I'm wondering what's he going to do this year. Yeah, look, I've got to be honest about this tour. I, I think I hope I hope Vince Neil gets back in shape because if if yeah. Vince, if Vince Neil can come out and sound the way he sounded and it might've been studio enhanced, but if he can come out and sound the way he sounded on red, white and crew on that carnival of sins DVD, or he Mm. can come out and sound like he sounded on the generation swine tour. Um, it'll be awesome. And if he can come out and look fit and trim and, you know, cause when, when Vince Neil, when Vince Neil is in shape, he kills. I mean, he's, he's not he's not the greatest vocalist in the world. 
but he, um, I mean, nobody sounds like Vince Neil. True. And, and I don't mind his voice. Yeah, live, man. I mean, I saw that farewell tour. It was uh, choppy at best. I mean, yeah, it was. I know. I know. And, uh, but, yeah, you know, it's like he doesn't even try. Yeah, but, that's, um, yeah it's true. But, but he does on those on these albums, though, man. I yeah. mean, it, it might it might take him many many takes, but I, I'm I'm very. I was listening to this one before we started the show, and I do listen to it periodically, and it pops up on my iTunes shuffle here and there, a song here and there. But um, listening to it today, man, I mean, I was extremely impressed by a song that I ne- never really done much for me, the original, but I love when he does "Whole Stop the Rain" on this. Yeah, me too. And, I um, think he does it so good. Because the the band that I'm part of, Johnny and the Easy Riders, um, um, it's you know it's a covers band, um, but we do that song, and I okay. the, our guitar player sings it, and um, I copped that backing vocal harmony that he does. There's a you know there's a harmony that he does in the song that's not in the credence thing. And I stole it from this album, and I do it because I thought it was just so cool. No, I've got nothing bad to say say about Tattoos and Tequila at all. I think it's a great, great album, you know. And do you think there'll be any more solo Vince Neil material? Good question. Um, Like, I don't know, in in the music climate today, uh, I'd be surprised. You know, I mean, maybe for download or something, but I mean, he's just, he's a torn machine now. You know, all he does is play solo shows like a lot. Mm. And, uh, but you know, who knows? I mean, and a lot of them have been very bad lately. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I I would see a Vince Neon before a new Motley album. That's for sure. You know, do you think there'll be more Motley? No. As far as new music, I think it's going to be a whole nostalgia trip. I think this, what I, why I'm not interested to see Motley Crue now is because it's going to be a greatest hit shit. You know, it's like, they're not going to throw, I mean, they're not going to throw out, like, to me, the best set list was uh, Red, White, and Crue. Yeah, it was awesome. They, they threw out Red Hot again, and I never seen them do on with the show. They did it that night, and, you know, they, they just threw out some, you know, Louder Than Hell. Did you, you, saw, you saw them in Florida, right? Was that the first show of the tour? It was, well, no, uh, Puerto Rico and then Florida. They did afraid that night, didn't they? I believe so, yes. Oh, and glitter. They yeah, did glitter. I know. I know. And, um, yeah, on with the show. On with the show was the one that really floored me. I was like, whoa, you know, because... Uh, I've never seen Motley do anything from the first time except Peace of Your Action and, and uh, Livewire. And Vince, I, was, I, Vince was really good that night, wasn't he? Yeah, he was amazing. That, yeah. that show was amazing. Yeah. That show was unbelievably good. Um, what a stage show. That's what Kiss should have done on the Psycho Circus tour. You know, d- d- didn't like that circus theme, you know. No, it was great. They were on fire and, uh, you know, Tommy was back, and uh, Tommy's solo career didn't go as he extended. So, of course, <laughs> they were they were hungry again. You know, I, I do like that. I do like that Tommy Land the Ride album. I do like that. 
I don't think I've ever even heard it. I heard, uh, I have, because I saw Tommy Lee live, uh, and I met him. I don't know if you saw that picture I took with him. Uh, He doesn't take pictures with fans anymore, so I got lucky. But Uh, you go to he does now. (laughs) Oh, he does. Okay, he's he's going to be doing it on this tour. If oh wow, you you think this tour will even? What do you think is going to happen with the with the world the way it is? Well, he said he just came out and said it's still a go, but I don't know, man. I really don't know if it is a go or not, you know. Um, but uh, you know what, man? I'd be afraid to go to any show now, you know. So mm-hmm. not just that one, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, you know, I want to stay away from people, you know. So uh, do you, do you think do you think this this tour will be? They'll do one run around the world, and that'll be it. Yeah, but I don't think this is the last of Motley Crue. Because Motley Crue, look, the farewell tour, Nikki Six had a plan that he thought was going to happen, and it didn't. Uh, he thought 6 a.m. was going to take care of him for the rest of his life. He thought, that, you know, after the crew was over, he thought that 6 a.m. album was going to be huge, and he was going to live off that for the rest of his life. But since that didn't work out, I really do honestly believe they thought it was the farewell tour. When they signed that contract, oh, yeah, that's it. We're done. We're done. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, I don't know if Tommy, you know, thought he was going to, you know, go on to be popular as a solo artist because he well, already... Well, Tommy, Tommy hasn't done anything. Exactly. Like, no, because... like nothing, nothing. And, and, I mean, and look, that, man... Didn't that... When did that last Methods of Mayhem album, because there was a second album, when did that... I mean, I've oh, got it. I don't it. even know. I don't even know. But it it wasn't it wasn't after that tour. It's not in the last four five years. I know that. Yeah, he's he's pretty much he pretty much knows where his bread is buttered, and it's no secret he doesn't like Motley Crue music anymore. Mm. I mean, yeah, uh, you ever seen um, the Resurrection of Motley Crue? I'm, I'm, yeah, man, I'm all over that stuff. He he says it in there. I'm just tired of playing all fucking these songs again. I'm, 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 I think I know. think that's the I think that's the greatest documentary of Motley Crue ever. Right. Well, but. I mean, here you know it's and he said it in several interviews during the Methods of Mayhem stuff. He's over it. He doesn't like the Motley Crue type of music anymore. So you know this whole thing is is a cash grab for him. You know, mm. and for the rest of them. I, Vince Neil is the only one I would say is the most motley of the crew. Um, you know, Mick is kind of a quiet guy, but I think his heart's really into the blues and stuff I like can't, that. I can now, I can't wait for his record, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, but you know, Vince is the Vince is the one that still loves that music. Uh, Nicky doesn't. Uh, I think Tommy, Mick does. I think Mick does. I think Mick well, loves it. Probably, probably. Yeah, it's just, I, I can't, you know, you don't hear anything and say anything negative. But, you know, uh, Nikki has bashed the, the, the genre and Tommy has bashed the actual Motley. Uh, Vince has never said a bad word of it. And when he goes on tours, all he does is play Motley songs. So You see, but the, the thing is, and I, again, this is about being a fan and not being blind. Um. Motley Crue followed on. I mean, I know they did anyway, but Motley Crue really followed on from Van Halen, and Van Halen was a blonde guy 
and three right. guys with long black hair. Yeah. You know, and and then Motley Crue was the same. And then that whole LA movement, you know, with with the poisons and the warrants and the whatevers. But I mean, really, Van Halen started all that. Oh yeah, no, there's no, there's no denying. You know, David Lee Roth, really, you know. Uh, well, Eddie too. Eddie's playing, you know. But as far as like the, you know, prototype of a frontman of the '80s, that was all David Lee Roth. Shit, even Paul Stanley tried to be David Lee Roth in the '80s. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's the whole party, party thing, and drinking Jack Daniels on stage. That Dave did that shit first. You know. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely credit Van Halen for, you know, your warrants and stuff like that. I mean, it's not their fault. You know, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that hate Pantera because they spawned a lot of new metal type bands. I don't, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't hate Pantera at all. I think Pantera no, was not, but they are hated for that, you know. But but then but Van Halen doesn't get that hate, you know. Uh, because they were groundbreaking. They were a groundbreaking band. And uh, yeah, yeah, Motley Crue owes a lot of their success to Van Halen, actually, um, because of the whole L.A. scene. They owe a lot of their success to Quiet Riot, too, believe it or not. You know, a lot of those bands do. Even though True. Quiet Riot True. died quick because of Kevin Dubrow's mouth. But they're it the ones that opened the floodgate. It wasn't just to do with his mouth, though, man. It was the songs. The songs... Everything is always about the songs. The songs really on on um, condition critical and especially on QR3. I mean, I love I love The Wild and the Young. I think that song's a masterpiece. But the rest of that album was woeful. Terrible. It was terrible. I saw I saw that tour and I I won the album on the way out. QR3. And, and I own I it. Home. I own that album. Yeah, I, I won it. Uh, just uh, I walked out in the radio station. I, I forgot what I did to get it, but I got it. And when I came home and played it, I was like mortified how bad it was. <laughs> were, it was like Jesus they were, is terrible. They were probably like, "We'll pay you to take it." <laughs> yeah, I didn't know though. But, you know, I was like, "Oh, cool, I got it. I like Wild and the Young." You know, uh, but um, I do too. I think Wild and the Young's a great song. But it's just yeah, the, I liked it. The rest of the album wasn't great, yeah, and and condition critical. I mean, it had its moments, but mm. like two, three songs I liked. The rest was just garbage too, you know. And to follow up, uh, you know, to make the first single another Slade song. Come on, yeah, that was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, well, this is but, look. This has been awesome. I don't want to take up any more of your time, um, but um, you know, I will. I support you, Ralph. And Thank I'll you, man. I appreciate it. You. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, and uh, uh, give us some plugs, dude. Plug, plug, plug your band. Plug your music. Yeah. Uh, plug anything you want. Yeah. Um, if people want to check me out, um, some people may know me through the classic metal show. If you don't, I'm I'm on there all the time with with calling in with with Neely and. And nearly and uh, Chris, um, but yeah, I'm I'm a professional musician. That's what I do. I've got cerebral palsy. I work with, I play keyboards and sing and write songs, and I work with um, 
cerebral palsy organisations all over the world, and they help me to promote my music, and um, they get 20 to 30% from every stream and every download we sell. And the analogy that I always use is nobody buys Stevie Wonder's music because he's blind. You know, hopefully my music is good, and hopefully it, it um, you know, um, very proudly wears my influences on my sleeve. There's lots of guitars, there's lots of drums, you know, loud drums, loud guitars, loud bass, you know, but, but the choruses are, are pretty strong. So um, please check it out. My, my latest EP came out in December 24th last year. No apologies. And all you have to do is stream it. Uh, if you want to download it from iTunes, that would be really cool. But it's available everywhere, as is the rest of my catalogue digitally. Just look up TJ James and you'll find it. And um, it rocks pretty hard. I'm very proud of it. Right on, man. I'm going to check it out myself, man. I haven't heard it yet. And uh, so you can check me out on my Facebook, which is TJ James Music. And my website's tjjames.com.au. And the covers band I play in is Johnny and the Easy Riders, and that's johnnyandtheeasyriders.com. Right on, TJ. Well, I want to thank you for donating um, uh, to not only the Rock and Metal, but to the VR Vault, which was super nice of you to do. I really do appreciate your support. Um, it are you it means going, a lot. Are you, are you going this year? No, it, actually, it was canceled. Yeah, oh, they canceled. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, they canceled it. But I wasn't going to go anyway. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Uh, well, you know, as I said, and I hope you hope you wear this, um, I support you and I support Ian. Good. And I, you know, but I, and I, I'm listening to Ian's new show. Um, I can't even pronounce it. It's Diabolus in Podcastica or something it's called. I'm out, and I'm not meaning that to be disrespectful. It's just hard to pronounce it. I didn't. I didn't even know about this. Um, and um, it's 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 very cool. It's very cool. Okay, cool. Good but it, you know, but it's kind of like the, the original Van Halen. You know. Oh no no! What you're saying? It's like Van Hagar. Well, you like Van Hagar, so it's not a slight thing so for you to say that. But I mean. Yeah, it, it it's 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 very cool. It's five stars also. It's just it's just different, you know. Right. Well, I and would hope some, so. Yeah, well I I um but now it's kinda of like we get we get we get the best of both worlds, I guess. There you go. Yeah, there you go, like like Van Halen. <laughs> you get well no, no, you no, I, I didn't even mean that as that actually. Right, right. But you I know, you, you get Aussie and Dio. <laughs> There you go. That's a better way of saying it. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I, I'm I'm going to check it out. What, what's it? oh? You can't. Can you pronounce that again? I didn't even know about. And I, probably people are saying bullshit. That, you're lying. What's that? I, I, what's that sl well, the sl it's like kind of. What was the Slayer album? Diabolos. Diabolos and Musica. Yeah, yeah. But this is called Diabolos in Podcastica. Oh, okay. All right. I'll check it out. Yeah. I, I, I support whatever Ian does, you know. I, I, I wish him the best and he's gonna do fine without me. He's great. I think Ian's funnier than me. 
it just didn't work out with us toward the end. It just, you know, shit happens. Um, and it, it just had to stop. Well, I'm, I'm still... For my sanity. You know, Ian, Ian doesn't agree with me, but I love Ian, and you might not agree with me either, but I, I predict that somewhere down the line there will be a reunion. Well, of, I'm one... Of some I'm description. One, I'm one to say never say never, but I really don't see it. But, you know, who knows? I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but I, I sincerely doubt it. You know, but and, hey, and if, and if you if no. you if you need if you need support, um, again, for anything that you're doing, you know, donation wise or any, anything, let me let us know, okay? Thank you, man. I really do appreciate that. And uh, but you know, all I need, all I want is support. Really, I mean. Uh, just, uh, keep on checking out the Vieira vault. I'm going to have one up every week. I mean, as of now, I have so many, uh, on the list though. Your, your, yours going to be up first. Uh, so I'm so, doing another one later today. So what do you got coming up? Uh, Rory Gallagher, which yeah. I don't know much about, but I'm going to do that. Uh, no path album. I got a shining episode that I already did with Nate, but it's going to be a bitch to edit. Uh, so I got four podcasts on, uh, on, on the roster, uh, that, so next month, but, you know, I still got many donations to take care of, uh, and I plan on doing every single one of them. And, uh, you know, just to thank you all, you know, thank you all. I did not, it's, it sucks because, you know, when I left the rock and metal combat podcast, I forgot about the donations and stuff. And it wasn't really on my mind. And then I got, you know, some shit I've heard uh, from the group of, oh, look how you abandoned everybody, you know, and, oh, you know, Ian's doing the donations. You're, you know, uh, you're not like Ralph. And I'm like, wait a second, Um, I'll still do them. You know, I just didn't think, you know, offhand, but, you know, whatever, man. Um, People, you know, and I'm sure some people think, oh, he's just doing them because Ian's doing it. He doesn't want to look bad. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course. I don't want to. I, I don't. It's not that I don't want to look bad. I honestly didn't think of the donations, and I, I'm the type of person that I don't fuck anybody over. So yeah, if no. you donated, I'm gonna take care of you, every single one of you. I want to do them all, you know, and uh, and I will. I mean, uh, and I and I stress to anybody listening, if you donated, uh, please let me know because I've had a couple people. Uh, tell me, hey, I donated, but I'm sure there's more donations that I don't know about, and I do want to know, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, th- that's it. You know, that's pretty much it. Yeah. But but thank you, brother. Thank you so much, and best of luck with uh, your music, and, um, and it's really commendable, uh, you know, and I'm sorry to hear about the cerebral palsy, but I'm it's not. awesome that, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Come on. Look, I mean, uh, no, I mean, you know, like, I mean, you know, it, it look, it, it's happened. And, and the reality is, is that I might not even be as into my music as I am if I didn't have it. Because, right. because so when I was... an advantage to it. Well, you see, when I, when I was born, the, the doctor said to my parents, you know, that the, the right side of my brain, which is the more creative side, because cerebral palsy is all like motor skill. Mm. And and the right side of my brain would overtake the left side, which is the more creative side. 
So if it wasn't for this, who knows that I'd even be, you know, as, as obsessed with music as I am. But you know, I'm, I'm a really, I'm a really happy guy. I mean, I've got a, I've been married for eighteen years. I've got a, a wonderful little girl, and life's good. You know. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, I'm really, I'm really happy to hear that, dude. And yep. I'm happy that you're doing something about it as well with the with the organizations, and that uh, some of your proceeds of your music is going into that. That's awesome. Love hearing stuff like that. And uh, again, you know, I mean, I wish you more luck than most musicians, you know, because honestly, uh, yours is going more to, you know, yours is going to a good cause instead of cocaine and hookers. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, when I when I do have a few drinks, I start to walk straighter. <laughs> well anyway thank you so much tj this has been a great episode too by the way and i'm gonna have you back on man eventually when we do when i do anything crew related i gotta have you here yeah well i, I know my stuff yeah i'm sure you do so uh, i promise uh we'll we'll work things out uh we are recording this uh over here early what time is it over there now it is now quarter past two in the morning what? And it's noon over here, a quarter yeah. past noon. Wow. So, and, and, you know, I can work around schedules. As you know, I'm retired now. So, <laughs> I, I can are, you, are, you, are you enjoying your retirement, sir? No, no. Because <laughs> of the coronavirus. No, I'm not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wish I could be out there traveling and doing, doing shit that retirees do. I'm stuck in my house. But but I, I am happy I don't have to work now, you know, and, you know, because my job, all my coworkers are, st- they, they're forced to go to work, you know, because I work for the city. So it's a, it's a, an important job. So I'm glad I don't have to do that shit no more. But, you know, and I'm just home staying safe, you know. I don't want to get nothing, you know. No. I'm, I'm, how, I'm how very, very how afraid. How old are you, brother? Huh? How old are you? 55. Oh really? Cool. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm eight years younger. Yeah, here uh, in I don't know how it is in the states, but when you turn fifty five, you're eligible to retire in the states. Wow. No, it's it's sixty five seventy here. Wow. Wow. I'd still be at work. Yes, you would. <laughs> but anyway, dude, it's been a great episode. Thank you so much, not only for the donations, but for being an outstanding guest All and right, knowing brother. that shit about Motley Crue and Vince Neil and and so forth. I, so, I, knew, uh, I knew all this useless knowledge would come in handy one day. Of course. Hey, man, we all have a lot of useless knowledge, you know? <laughs> all right, brother. So, yeah, you have a great one, and uh, we we will have you back. Well, I will have you back on uh, eventually. So thank you so much for everything, dude. No worries. No problem. All right, bro. Take care. Cheers. A huge thank you to TJ James, not only for donating, but, man, what a great guest. Knows his crew, and I will have him back when I have something crew related uh so uh you know what time it is follow me now we're inside the vault and something that we forgot to talk about during this episode was uh a b-side from the carved in stone era maybe i don't know maybe it was exposed i think it was carved in stone uh vince did a cover of uh 250624 uh the chicago song and I think it's the best cover he's done from all the covers he's done. I think this rocks. Turn this shit up. Hey, 
or 624. Vince Neal doing that Chicago classic. Well, my friends, it comes to the end of another Vieira Vault, but I already have another one recorded for next week. So uh, please tune in, and thank you all for tuning in, and thank you for listening to my voice right now, because you are the best. And I love you all, and uh, stay safe, everybody. Stay indoors, please. I want this all to go away. I am sick of my house. But I'm glad and happy that I have this podcast and my YouTube page and all my music and all my movies to keep me entertained. Without all this, uh, yeah, I'd probably be outside, not only without a mask and without gloves, but I'd probably be naked with an axe killing people right about now. But all this stuff is keeping me sane like the Vierval, and like all of you that not only listen, but all of you that share my episodes, I thank you so much. You know who you are. So many of you do it. I see a lot of people sharing the links to the show, and that makes me feel great that you guys do that for me. Much appreciated. I love you all. Till next time, schmack a gob.